Podcast One production. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. And on this episode, Michelle Hedge is joining us. She's Australia's leading nutritionist who has collaborated with over 130 Fortune 500 companies on their wellness initiatives in just the past 12 months. She's seen a 200% increase in demand in the investment programs which benefit the workforce at large when they're looking at their health. And also the author of many books, the latest of which being Eat, Drink and Still Shrink. Thank you so much for joining us, Michelle. It's a pleasure to have you on Health Hacker, The Hacking the Hackers. Adam. Oh, how good. And what a great title for your book. Congratulations. I know how much work goes into a book and it looks absolutely amazing. Well done. Thank you, Adam. Thanks for having me on. Happy to talk about how we eat, drink and still shrink. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's everyone's dream, isn't it? Well, I think what's really important about this book is I wrote it specifically for the busy person. Yep. But who isn't the busy person? It doesn't matter whether you're a CEO, whether you're a teacher, whether you're working in a studio, all of us are busy these days and everybody wants health, but they don't want hassle. Yep. And I think that's an important message to say, it's okay to have a little coffee and wine or beer in your yeah, instance yeah. <laughs> and live a happy, well, vibrant life. Yep. And you think that's the key, isn't it? To, to any sort of diet, I hate to use the word, but I'd prefer to use a lifestyle program. Um, making sure that we're not focusing on losing things and excluding things, it's about embracing the right choices and celebrating. Absolutely. I knew you were going to be my guy, Adam. <laughs> I'm all about abundance yep. and I'm all about crowding in so much good yep. that we forget about the bad stuff of the past. So not only including food, but other things as well. So I hate the word diet as well. I like to think about lifestyle. What's your sleep like? What's your movement like? What's your connections like? What's the whole package like? And, you know, I'm often asked, well, why aren't more people embracing this wellness thing? And I think because so many people think it has to be extreme. Yep. When it doesn't. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. And I love your approach as well, how it's an holistic approach as well. It's Mm. not just about, you know, diet, because losing weight obviously comes down to calories in versus calories out, but the body is a very complex thing. And these other things have a huge impact on it. Everything from our microbiome, our gut health, to the way we sleep, stress, you know, so can you talk about some of the low-hanging fruit that people may be able to address when it comes to losing weight? Yeah, for sure. Um, I just wanted to mention, I, I loved how you moved into that question. And I always say this at every speaking engagement, everywhere I am, the measurement of well-being isn't the number on the scale. The number on the scale is the measurement of gravity. The true measurement of well-being <laughs> is your vitality, your yep. energy, your creative yeah. thinking, your ability to connect with one another. Yeah. And then when I'm speaking in a corporate space, I'll say, let's take this one step further. Let's have all that productivity, energy, strategic thinking, low brain fog, all those things during the day. And then to walk in your door at five or six o'clock at night and have enough in your tank to connect with your family Boom. Love That's it. well-being. Love it. That is right? well-being. That is, that is well-being. I love yes. it. You know, mm. and, and that's what I say to people all the time, you know, what, what's the point and why do we want to go and do something where we get paid to come home and then be miserable? <laughs> because you don't have enough energy in the tank at the end of the day. And that's what feeding yourself is. Yes. Making sure you've got enough fuel then to go and give the love and the energy that your family deserves at the end of the day rather than collapsing in the front door and being a miserable sod. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I was that person. Yeah. I mean, I had a big 
corporate background. Well, tell us about that because that's an <gasps> interesting story. Uh, I uh, I came here and I came to Australia in 1990. Yep. Fell in love with a man, a country, and rugby. <laughs> and um, so I was here for four days, and I ended up. Um, I was speaking at an event. I'm a New Yorker. I'm a nat- I speak about everything, particularly what I'm passionate about. <laughs> and um, I was employed by Microsoft and had a wonderful career with them. And then I decided to do what I've always wanted to do. I wanted to become a GP, actually, mm-hmm. just to be a practitioner. And I took my first nutritional medicine class and I went, this is exactly where I want to be. It's the combination of food um, and nutrients, which I was always madly interested in and researching that space and um, and and what else is going on with our physical, mental and emotional body. Mm. So to me, it was a sweet spot. I think I probably will still go on to become a doctor. I'm looking at doing my PhD in positive psychology. And uh, that's a really big space that merges perfectly as a nutritional medicine practitioner. But my 30-year journey here in Australia, well, my my career now as an author and a speaker allows me to travel everywhere. But I'm deeply passionate about Australia. Who wouldn't be? Yeah, I love your story. And that's why I was so keen to get you on the podcast because when I read your background and, and it's just the positive psychology. It's just a really interesting mix, Alex, that, you know, she brings to the table. Okay. Let's dive in a little bit here. So sleep, what, what are some of your favorite go-to hacks for sleeping? Okay. So I always say, this is something that people are always surprised about. I love hydration, right? So mm. I always say about micro habits. I say, start with hydration. Number two, think about your sleep, but hydration and sleep work together. Mm. So some people are hydrating themselves so much that they're actually waking up a couple of times during the uh, night to go to the toilet. Yeah, right. So I say, I actually want you to become slightly dehydrated after five o'clock so you're not waking up to go to the bathroom because when you wake up to go to the bathroom, guess who comes along? Monkey chatter, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, the next thing, you're laying there and you're worrying about things or you're thinking about things. So uh, whilst I like hydration a lot, I like people to think about stop hydra- hydrating themselves too much after five o'clock. For sleep, definitely the hour before going to bed, no blue lights, right? We know that blue lights diminish our melatonin, yep. our natural sleep hormone. And the other thing is beware of the sugar monster, right? Mm. So we've got a lot of these people working in the corporate space, busy people, um, and they are not truly nourishing themselves throughout the day. They're nourishing themselves what they think are healthy foods Mm -hmm. that are packed with lots of sugars, right? And then they get home and they become the human vacuum on healthy looking things. So healthy muesli bars, healthy yogurts. You know, <laughs> Just are, for the podcast, you're doing air quotes. Yeah, 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 I'm doing yeah. air quotes. Right? Yeah. Because this was what happened to me. I would be running on adrenaline all day, triple mm. shot lattes, come home, slam a couple of pinos, right? And then <laughs> and then I then I grab my healthy yogurt, yeah. my um, light yogurt. And, you know, I was consuming 20 grams, 20 teaspoons of hidden sugars. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I would get into bed and who would be tired but wired? me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my husband would be like, so Michelle, I'm not so sure if those 20, those two yogurts and that <laughs> handful of jelly snakes are serving you too well because, because you're chewing my ear off every night. And then of course, after being tired, but wired, I break out into a sweat or whatever, just dis- disrupted sleep. And then the whole day, the next cycle would start yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. And particularly for a lot of people who haven't fed themselves well throughout the day, um, their sleep will be disrupted as well. Yeah, yeah. So 
Well, a lot of people don't know where to start when it comes to diet. Can you give some people some tips there? You've touched upon it, but sugar, just reading the label, what you should look for and, you know, obviously natural lollies and fat-free lollies, yes. they're not good for us. Yes. But, uh, yeah, but people believe that sort of stuff, halo terms, weasel words, marketing terms. What should people look out for? Absolutely. I say just keep this so simple. You know, I'm Jamie Oliver's ambassador here in Australia. I work with Damon Gumeau on the rollout of That Sugar Film. And I don't believe that we should have a sugar tax in Australia. I think, one, people should sort of start to understand and connect their own dots on how sugar affects their sleep, their productivity, their mood, their highs and their lows. But I think keep it simple. You need to do three things when you're picking up something that is packaged, right? I always say unpackaged and non-processed foods are the best. But I live in the real world. I have three children and a dumb dog. So sometimes (laughs) I'm picking up packaged foods. This poor dog. What kind of dog is it? He's cute, but he's dumb. Okay. Okay, when you're picking up... I feel bad for this dog. (laughs) I'll Instagram him tonight. Okay. When you're picking up a packaged food from now on, just do three things. I always say, people, keep it simple. Number Mm. one, if you can read the ingredients, you're winning. If it sounds like Frankenfood, like it's been made in a chemical factory, it probably has been. So that's number one. If you can read the ingredients, you're winning. Number two. I think like, are they words you recognize? Not correct. Correct. Absolutely. Or your mother would recognize or your mm. grandmother because yeah. then we know, okay, wow, that sounds like whole real food. I'm also like, oh, that's a lot of numbers. Um, exactly. n- numbers scare me, you know, E5512. I'm oh. like, ooh. Yep. Absolutely, yeah. What's And what's that going to do to my mental health and my yeah, brain fog, that number? <laughs> okay, number two. Uh, so number two is then have a little look at the serving size. Don't get crazy about this, but kind of glance and sort of go, wow, 20 grams it's got to be really small. <laughs> and so if you start to like just start to become aware of portion size, right? Don't get too crazy about it. But most people would pick up a package of cereal and they would go, okay, I can read the ingredients. It doesn't sound perfect, but let me go to serving size. Oh, that's serving size. Well, that's 20 grams is enough to feed a bird, yeah. but not a human, yeah. right? So then, then I want everybody just to go to sugar. Mm. Run your finger across sugar and have a little look at the grams of sugar. And then keep it simple. Mm. Take that grams of sugar and divide by four. It's not a perfect science, but it's enough for you to glance at, to go, gee, in this healthy package of jelly snakes that are (laughs) fat-free, color-free, all natural, (laughs) buy me, I love you, I'm going to make you skinny, right? When you run your finger across that, and for example, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but basically if you're looking at a half a bag of those jelly snakes, usually there's about 20 teaspoons of sugar. Yeah. I don't know anybody that stops at two jelly snakes. <laughs> mm. right, so, so why are we dividing by four? What's that about? From a biochemical perspective, you can figure out the number of grams equating to the teaspoons, teaspoons. of sugars. Oh, so okay, so cool. let me give you a, a perfect example of this. There's several good, well, what people perceive as good quality yogurts on the market. But if you go to the sugar grams Mm. on that yogurt, it might say 26 grams of sugar. Now that doesn't really make any sense to anybody, but just take that number and divide by four. Mm. And that will give you the idea of the number of teaspoons of sugar that are in that product. So in that instance, there'll be somewhere around six, seven teaspoons of sugar. 
Now, oh, and then you can visualize that going. If you used correct. to make a cup of tea and put a teaspoon of sugar in, correct. if it was seven, you'd be like, I'm, I don't even do half, you know? That's correct. Okay, got and it. The, and the, that's Thanks correct. Thanks for clarifying. So, whenever I'm doing a presentation, I actually take the sugar packages. Mm. So, I'll do, a, I'll do an example of a yogurt, I'll do an example of a ginger beer, usually <laughs> perceived as more healthy, usually about 14 teaspoons of sugar. Oh, the one that, yeah. A chai tea, usually Mm. about 12 teaspoons Mm. of sugar. Vitamin water, eight teaspoons of sugar. Mm. Uh, Most muesli bars, 10 to 12 teaspoons of sugar. I'm talking about all perceived healthy things here. Healthy foods, they're healthy. Healthy healthy smoothies. You know, I did a a presentation at Apple this week, Apple Corporation, and, and, and several years ago as well. And it was a perfect example of this. Guy sitting in the front row said, Jonathan, what are you drinking? He said, oh, a blueberry, um, a blueberry, Blast, it's called. And I said, I used to drink the same exact thing when I worked at Microsoft. I was time poor, had my invisible skates on. I felt, wow, that, that, that would have been really good to have. I said, let's pull it up real time and have a little look. When we looked, it's 22 teaspoons of sugar. Mm. So I then gave the example. I said, after you have something like this, you're beetling around the office. You're the person that's going, ah, what kind of vitamins Adam and Adam taking there? Right, because you're on the sugar high. Then 75 minutes later, you're kind of going from gorgeous to grumpy. Mm. 90 minutes later, your head is in your hand and you're going, Christ, I think I have iron deficiency, (laughs) right? When you don't have that at all, it's just that your blood sugar's been swinging, right? So I think um, keeping the the sugar equation really simple, um, you know, we're not talking about Natural sugars. Yeah. I never talk. I always said yeah, we should have can, fruit. Can Adam and I have? We probably will do an episode on this one day. But just a top line. Can you touch on please how I look at natural sugar versus added sugars? Because sometimes people go, well, that's still got a lot of sugar in it. But I'm like, what's honey and and fruit? Like, is that bad? Should I be worried about it? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I t- I talk a lot about that in all three of my books actually. And I think I know in my current book I actually have a page twenty five different names for sugar because it's often disguised as something Mm. else, right? So just keeping it really simple, when I talk about added sugar, I'm talking about sugar that's been added in, not that has occurred naturally in nature, in milk, in yogurt, and things like that, fruit, um, sweet potatoes, quinoa, all of those things are natural sugars. And I think a human body mm. that moves is able to burn those things. But do they come up as the sugar content on the back of the packet? Sometimes they will, but you'll be able to differentiate that. Once you start to get move into this space, you'll start to say, oh, okay, but that's a sweet potato. And they're saying that sweet potato has 20 grams of sugar. Well, that's natural sugars. Mm-hmm. And when... When some, and, then, and you do that by referring to the ingredients list because if you don't see sugar on there, yeah, that's I, correct. Yeah, and I think Alex and to simplify it for you and, and Michelle will agree that um, you know if it's in a package, that's not a natural sugar. Unfortunately, if it's mm. in a juice, it's not natural. As a food manufacturer myself, unless it's real fruit, you don't care about the sugar in the fruit because it's real. There's yes. fiber in there and whatnot. But for me, it's not natural once it's put into a product externally. Yes. So when it's exogenously taken from something and then put into something else, mm. that's not a natural sugar. By law, we can call it a natural sugar, but if I'm calling a spade a spade, mate, the reality is is that once you take something out of something else and put it into something else, it's not natural anymore. So it's been yes. processed. So yes. okay. don't be worrying about demonizing foods that have got sugar in them naturally, like fruit 
and you know it's got fiber and yes and whatnot. And so. I, I, and I think that's a great point, um, Adam. Is that when real food has natural sugars mm. in it, we don't have to overly worry yeah. because the fiber content in the food actually dampens yeah. the blood sugar spike. But this is a really good analogy for this whole thing, um, Alex. So to kind of get this in your head visually. If you had an apple juice, right? And that apple juice, if you looked at the sugar content on it, let's say it said it had 20 grams in this apple juice, but you put four apples Mm. next to it, right? Because those four apples are what's in the juice. And those four apples had 20 grams of sugar in it. It's natural sugars, mm-hmm. right? Mm. But when you're eating the apples, because it comes with fiber, it doesn't bounce your blood sugar. However, if you were to have the juice, it would bounce your blood sugar the same way as a can of Coca-Cola. Mm. So I always say, eat your fruit. Mm. Um, that's just kind of a good analogy on how it affects the body, the body in terms yeah. of the spikiness. And it's the spiky bits that create inflammation yeah. and have a cascade to physical ailments. So glucose variability, we call it. You know, you don't want too much glucose variability in your diet, which essentially means your blood sugar levels are bouncing up and down. So so it's a simple way of looking at it. Like, you know, Michelle just touched upon, you know, it's not natural if it's not in its natural state. So you can argue from a food manufacturing point of view that it's a natural sugar, but it's put into a Frankenstein food. It's not real sugar. So that's the easiest way is not to eat things out of a package. Most of the time is you can avoid it. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. I have this problem in the industry I'm in with weight loss or whatever. A lot of people giving the advice aren't living real lives and real lives are for the masses. Mm. They've got screaming kids, they've got budgets, they don't have a lot of money, they can't eat organic, you know, they can't afford to go on these fad diets or go to the gym. But a personal trainer who's 20, he doesn't mind the fact that he has to eat broccoli and chicken because that's the lens he's looking through. But the practicality of it for the masses Nobody wants to starve themselves. Nobody's got the, 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 the appetite or the attitude to want to go on a starvation type diet like fasting. We know there's benefits for fasting, but taking a guy that's drinking a case of beer a week and asking him to do an 800 calorie day diet mm. is too extreme. Mm-hmm. We've got to really, you know, find people, meet people where they are at that point of time. Wouldn't you agree? So this is where having a sustainable approach Absolutely. is more sensible. Meet people where where they where they are. Absolutely. Yeah. And people ask us that all the time. And they said, But in, in your book you talk about this. And I said, In my books, I really talk about the average Australian, mm. someone like my father-in-law who lives out in Whoop Whoop who never really would have heard the word coconut oil, yeah. <laughs> you know, and he would be nervous about that. Or my husband, yeah. yeah, God love him, he's a gorgeous man, very Australian, and he always says, Michelle, I used to have a beer fridge. Now yeah. I have a fridge full of probiotic foods, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, And you say, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I don't. I try not to take an extreme view. We we have a clinical practice where we can take people to that next level because we see people with all sorts of conditions from cancer to autoimmune to Crohn's disease, anxiety, depression, uh, IBS, you name it, we see it in our clinical practice. But I don't know, um, Alex and Adam, if you um, read the foreword of my book, but the pivoting point in my career Um, with nutrition and looking through a more joyful lens. I've always been joyful, but a true joyful lens um, happened about three years ago when I lost my younger brother, Greg. Mm. 
And um, my younger brother, Greg, was a New York City fireman, and he was truly a first, first responder. So his firehouse was one of the first, if not the first, at Ground Zero. And Greg lost every single person in his firehouse immediately. Wow. wow. And so, so, this, so he, he was on the pile, what they've referred to as the pile, for a very, very long time. And the Environmental Protection Agency first came in and they said, listen, it's okay. Two days later, they went, came in, they went, oh, oh dear, everybody mask up except the lieutenants and some of these guys who are really, you know, in the pits and leading, leading, leading the way. And there's photos of Greg, you know, he'd be the firefighter, you know, on the front of the New York Post hoisting the flag and all the firemen behind him all have the mask on except my brother Greg. Anyway, three years, four years ago now, uh, my brother Greg just had had two twin babies, still a fireman, loved being a fireman, never regretted one single bit of 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 being involved with September 11th. But these young first responders whether they were firemen, police officers, garbage men, et cetera, et cetera, are all getting these um, really... Respiratory diseases, right? Terrible respiratory mm. diseases mm. and funky cancers. So Greg got perfectly fine one day, thought he broke his rib, and he got diagnosed with stage four lung cancer mm. and so had got diagnosed three months to live. So I would try... We kept him alive for 18 months and I would go back every three weeks from Sydney to New York and hit two little twin babies that they finally got after trying for seven years. But the first thing he said... I was in the room when the oncologist walked in. Greg, six foot four, looks like George Clooney. Funny bastard. And so the oncologist walks in and we're waiting for the rib doctor to come in and says, I'm looking for Greg Chevalley. I'm really sorry, and delivers the news. Lisa walks out of the room with the twin babies. My brother Greg looks at me, and he goes, Shelly, I just started to live. Mm. Wow. And I don't want anybody to ever say or see anybody say, I just started to live. Mm. I want every single person listening to this today to start living today, to live joyfully, live abundantly, connect with people, do your best, be your best self, show up, because all we know is we only have one round of this. Mm. And um, so during the time I was trying to keep Greg alive, I go, how about we have a kale smoothie? And he goes, listen, Jelly, you're my sister, you're my best friend. He said, this is the way it's going to go down. No kale smoothies, no meditation, no barking at the moon. What you're going to have is a Pinot and I'm going to have a Budweiser. That's how we're going out with mom's meatballs. (laughs) (laughs) So um, he'd be so happy that I wrote this book, Eat, Drink and Still Shrink, Mm. because it's about about really living Mm. and living our best selves. What's the point? If you're not enjoying your life, what is the point? Mm. I often say to people, what's the point of going on an extreme diet if you're miserable? Yes. That's, yeah, that's exactly. What life's about. That's incredible, and what an amazing story. And you know that that's um, yeah, really, really powerful. So you know, for you, wellness isn't about you know going on some extreme diet or, or restricting mm. something or, or being miserable. It's about you know quality of life. So yes. you take an holistic approach to health, which is amazing. Yeah, and you deal with a lot of successful people, and we spoke about it off air. What What's the common thing they all have mm. in common? <laughs> yeah, the common thing without a shadow of a doubt, and, I'll, and anybody that's listening to this, I'll ask them to cast their minds around this as well, is the common thread with all these people, again, not about the number on the scale, but true vibrancy, true energy, 
big thinkers. They guard their sleep, their nutrition, and their exercise with their life. They do not compromise. They do not give excuses. They don't say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to bed early, or, oh, I'm sorry, I don't want those chips. I'm going to have the broccoli. They do it quietly. They do it humbly because they know that's what gives them the X percent. Yeah. Mm. And the connection between our mood and food, Mm. Uh, food is information, I always say. Mm. So do you want to expand on that for us and people listening now who are struggling with mental health issues, some tips around food choices? Yeah, sure. Well, not only are we talking about when we're eating whole real food, unpackaged and unprocessed, are we getting the nutrients that we need for our dopamine, our GABA, our serotonin? So those, that, that's really important. But I, I, I suppose one of the biggest things that I talk about that's really simple for people to understand is that when we're eating real whole food that doesn't contain sugar, we're giving our gut uh, the best opportunity to be its best self. And serotonin, 85 to 95, 95% of our serotonin is created in our gut, not in our brain. So on a very simplistic level, does it not make sense as we start to clean up our diets, fill our diets with fiber, probiotic-rich foods, prebiotic-rich foods, um, vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin B, all our vitamins. As we start to clean up our guts, we are populating with that, giving ourselves the best opportunity to maximize our serotonin. And just to fill you in, serotonin is the drug, happy hormone. The happy hormone, the yes. one that you know, neurotransmitter yeah, precursor. You, helps you with anxiety and depression and all of those things. Yes. And this year I'm working on doing a TEDx talk. I've already done this talk a couple of times. I've delivered it here in Sydney, Uh, but I'm working on a TEDx talk called Mental Health Hijackers. Mm. They could be lurking in your food. So sort of taking a little bit of a different approach on, on mental health because we have one out of six Australians suffering from something, anxiety, depression, or mood disorders. If we start to look at children between the ages of 16 and 24, we look at the numbers of one out of four. I've been Australia, I've been nominated as Australia, one of Australia's uh, mental health um, finalists over the last couple of years in this space. So I'm madly passionate about it. So... Oh, so, okay. So we've got all this stuff going on with mental health, mood disorders. So I started to get super curious. I'm really a mad researcher. And what I see happening or I want people to get curious about is perhaps they are symptomatically feeling like they have anxiety, depression, mood disorders, which are very big conditions, silent, scary, multifactorial. But perhaps I just want them to get curious about, are there other things in excess in their diet or depleted from their diet that could be wreaking havoc in this mental health space? For example, having low iron and low B12 makes people feel flat as a tack, mm. their energy. But they don't also realize that has, that, that, those, that those vitamins and minerals are really, really important in the creation of dopamine, serotonin, and GABA. There's a biochemical pathway Mm. there that people don't realize. So I say in part of my mental health hijackers talk, if you are a vegan or a vegetarian, that's totally fine. (laughs) I am a woman who does not discriminate Uh, against at all. Um, I say I come from an Italian background. If I started discriminating against food, I'd be (laughs) excommunicated. But I say, if you are a vegan or vegetarian, 
I want you to be aware and take your blood pathology mm. because that's where you might need supplementation. So then I said, okay, so not only that could be a mental health hijacker, so it's not actually mm. really mental health, but it might be a deficiency. Mm. Then I want you to be thinking about people who have thyroid disease, hyperthyroidism, hypothyroidism, Graves disease, or Hashimoto's. Mm. These people can sleep eight hours a night, wake up in the morning, and still feel exhausted. Mm. They feel like they are constantly swimming through mud. And they start to think, I'm crazy. And a lot of them go to the doctor and the doctor says, I'll give you a prescription drug. Oh, and they haven't looked further to see if the thyroid has had malfunction. Why are, why are so many people's thyroids going out? Our thyroid needs iodine Iodine. and selenium. And what's being leached in our soils and in our world here, particularly in Australia, in our farming practices, selenium and iodine. In fact, so much so that Food Standards Australia has uh, mandated that bread manufacturers put iodine into bread because they were so concerned about the fetal development of babies' brains inside pregnant mothers. So, sorry, I could go on forever no, about, nu- about, about nutrition, right? So I, lo- I want people to start getting curious about what could be in their food that could be in excess or depletion that could be affecting that space. Or what are they eliminating from their diet? Correct. I talk about this all the time. Correct. You know, Alex, what I'm passionate about. Mm. But, you know, low-carb diets are another good example of this where, unfortunately, you know, that affects our brain chemistry because, you know, certain amino acids, which you know, get squeezed out for not having carbohydrates in your diet. So tryptophan, for example, can't, you know, win the battle of the amino acids. It gets squeezed out and all of a sudden people on low-carb diets wonder why they're depressed. Oh, so, Adam, you and I speak the same language. Yeah. You must come to a talk that I do sometimes. <laughs> you know, because I'll often say eat whole real food mm. in a combination of fats, proteins, yeah, and smart balance. carbs. And when I say the word carbs, the audience goes, oh, doesn't she know that there's a carb phobia yeah. in Australia? And I'm like, ladies, listen up. You need some of these smart carbs. Can the body exist without them? Of course. Can mm. we put our bodies into ketosis? Of course. But does the body really like to work on some smart carbs, particularly during the day? Mm. Feed your adrenal glands. Yeah. You know, it, oh, uh, yeah. I, What's a smart carb? A smart carb would be something like sweet potatoes, your root vegetables, your quinoa, uh, your brown rices. So I refer to them as smart carbs because they're long burning carbs. Mm-hmm. Um, or sometimes I refer to them as logs because they're long burning, they're uh, sustaining. Yeah. You went low GI, yes. those kind of things. Yes. And touching back on what you're saying before about being realistic, you can eat, drink, and still shrink. And to help you set that up is obviously eating whole foods, you mentioned micro habits, mm-hmm. which I think is a great hack. Mm. We, we started on water and then we went down this amazing conversation we've had now. I want to bring it back to that. Would you mind expanding on some more micro habits that I could adopt in my life? Yeah, sure. So micro habits, including, well, first of all, exercise. And I shouldn't say exercise, um, Alex. I should like actually, activity? I should actually say movement. Mm. Um, I personally really like for the time poor person some form of HIT training, high intensity interval yeah. training. Adam does it like in like little gaps throughout the day. Yeah, like each but, hour he'll do like a little something or other, and then go back down. <laughs> Honestly, right. it's the greatest tip. Like every hour yes. he'll go. All right, I guess I'll just do some jumping on the spot for a while, or, or yeah, whatever. Exactly. it is. Exactly. And when you look at the research around that, it's very effective, yeah. right? So really, really effective on your insulin receptor. So. 
I, I like movement. So HIIT training, I really like. I like weight training as well. I don't mean lifting weights and becoming a bodybuilder. I mean, doing it enough. So again, it affects our insulin receptor. So we become metabolic burners. So exercise in some way, you know, I have, I have people that don't like to move at all. And I say, if all you can do for me is walk around the block today and collect some sunshine, mm. you're, we're, we're both winning. Um, so, so movement, sleep. Okay. Absolutely needs to be prioritized as a micro habit. And I don't mean going, oh, you know, Michelle, I'm a six hour sleeper right now and I'm going to go to eight hours starting tonight. No, that's silly. Start to nudge the dial by 10 minutes. Plus quality of sleep. 15 minutes. So. Correct. I don't want you waking up and going to the toilet. I don't want you going into bed tired but wired. Turn off those blue lights. Tired but wired. <laughs> tired I like but that. wired. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. We have a whole entire world of tired yeah. but wired. I know. There, there. I can actually. Adam and I talk a lot about this. Trust called the health hacker because we want to try and hack ourselves, and everyone's different. My <laughs> wife can look at her phone and go night, and she's out. I will look at my phone, and then I go to sit, and I wake up, and my mind never turned off. It was on all night, and I know the difference. Wow. Okay. So, so, so sometimes when you have um, really stubborn sleep um, habits, and you need to shift a little bit, sometimes we recommend supplements. Hmm. I always say food before supplements, but there are some supplements out there, um, and like I melatonin like, and things like that. Like yeah, hmm. like melatonin or a good quality magnesium glycinate. Um, which is quite good. Mm. Um, Metagenics has got a, another good product out of the market right now called Neurocom Sleep. Um, but we get people to address all of that that sleep hygiene before putting them onto yeah. a supplement. And then when we do put them on a supplement, we get them to stay on that supplement consistently for three to four weeks, even after the first week, even if they've snapped into some good sleep. Because what we want to do is create a whole new habit. Mm. Um, and, you know, for women, particularly over 40 who start to move into perimenopause and menopause, their estrogen starts to shift, which really, really um, wreaks havoc on their sleep. And I always say to women, you know, get your sleep habits down now. You know, I, I know you're in your 20s and your 30s, but get those snapped on so that they become a habit and you learn to appreciate your sleep and what that does for your mental well-being, your brain fog, your energy levels. We know if we don't sleep well, we don't eat well, we don't move well. It's a knock-on effect, mm. right? Uh, so next um, next micro habit that I'd like people to consider is having a gratitude journal. And I don't mean necessarily a journal. It could be texting yourself with three things that you're happy about. Because when you start to create that positive vortex in your brain, it actually starts to create around you. And I have people all the time say to me, they'll be working with our clinic with our clinic, or have seen us for a while, and they'll say, wow, Michelle, I can't believe on the way to work today, there's people driving in the street. Everybody was happy today. And I go, you know what, John? I think it's because you're, you're happy, happy with you, yeah, 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 yeah. right? So it's those small kinds of shifts um, that make big differences. And I think everybody must consider this as a really, really big part of their well-being. I am one of Cure Cancer's ambassadors. I get um, privileged to be amongst some of their finest researchers. And recently at a dinner I was with them all, I was with them at, I said, what, what do you think is going to be the biggest area that's going to start to be explored in cancer research? I'd say 90% of them said this, 
the effects of stress on the body. Mm. Mm. So I think it is an imperative micro habit that must be changed in the slightest way nudged is start to think about what can you do to de-stress? Can it be 10 minutes at lunch sitting without any social media in the sunshine, just breathing? Can it be taking a walk? Whatever that looks like to you, it doesn't have to be meditating for 45 minutes. It doesn't have to be sweating in a yoga class. It can be what works for you Mm. and what works for you consistently. People ask me all the time, well, what's the best stress buster? The (laughs) best stress buster is the one that you're going to do consistently that doesn't feel painful. And it doesn't have to be painful, but find something every day that you can do to come back to your center and, and to and to reduce your cortisol levels. Brilliant, isn't it? It's ironic. It's called distress for a reason. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, Michelle, before we wrap up, we usually ask people what book they would give someone um, if they could, and I think the answer is probably yours, <laughs> Eat, Drink, and Still Shrink. So we can skip past that yeah. one. No, but it is a great book, Alex, and she was just talking then about her non-negotiables. You know, these yes. are the things that she won't negotiate, whether it's sleep, which is number one, mm. Um, number two is exercise from memory. Then third is, is stress. And then fourth was, um, a practice of gratitude, which comes back to mm. the positive psychology mindset and then banishing guilt, which is oh, yeah. amazing in itself. So didn't yeah. touch upon that now, but it's a book I highly recommend. I love her approach to life in general. It's, um, so refreshing to see somebody in this space that takes an holistical approach to health and wellbeing. And, um, it's a great read. I must admit that um, really enjoyed looking at that book as well. So Michelle, a question I like to ask people is um, if you had the opportunity to put a billboard up in your hometown, New York, Times Square, what would that billboard say? It would say what I actually wanted this book to be called. But of course, if you've written a book, you know that you have to use some marketing terms. But I really (laughs) wanted this book to be called Eat, Drink and Live Joyfully, right? That's what it's all for. Absolutely. Yeah. Eat, drink, and still shrink is actually what the book was called. Thank you so much for coming in, and we appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you both very much. Thank you. Health Hacker was created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Written and presented by Adam McDougall. Produced and presented by Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. To listen to more episodes, search Health Hacker Podcast. Listen for free at podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app.